G'day guys, and welcome to FTK Q&A, episode 39. I am your probationary host, Dave. I've made it to a second episode in the hosting chair, which um, honestly, I'm pretty chuffed about. But um, for today's Q&A, I, was, I want to take it back a couple of weeks. Um, it was a Thursday night and I stood in a line for about 15 minutes to get into an Aussie track meet. Um, sound, if, you, if you've been to Aussie track meets, um, that will probably sound pretty bizarre to you. Um, it doesn't happen very often. It was the inaugural Mori Plant track meet, which uh, many listeners will have gone along to or watched on demand or heard about on socials um, or from Brett and Joel on the podcast. It was a truly international track meet with stars from all over the world and it had the prestigious designation of a World Athletics Continental Tour Gold status. By any measure, the meet was a big success. Uh, I certainly loved it. Um, Attendance was clearly larger than any Aussie track meet in, in recent years, certainly. Um, and the talk in the air afterwards was overwhelmingly positive. Um, the meet had a lot of mainstream media attention, pre and post meet, and social media channels were flooded with, uh, yeah, a lot of beautiful photos from the evening. Um, we saw packed stands, we saw athletes and fans mingling. Um, everyone was all connected and, and enjoying themselves. Um, and walking back to my car afterwards, I just had so many questions about it. Um, how did we pull off such a big and successful track meet? I personally, um, outside of, uh, com games and Olympics that we've had on home soil, home soil, um, I had to go back to 2001 when I was uh, a lot younger than I am now to remember an athletics meet with, I guess like a a comparable vibe to that delivered at the Murray plant meet. Um, we had, uh, it was then called the IAAF Grand Prix. It was at Melbourne's old Olympic park. All the stars came out then too. And the meet had a ton of energy about it, just like the Murray plant meet did. Um, and we hope of course, that that's this inaugural Murray plant meet is a taste of what's to come, but it's clear it's no easy task. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it and, and, and how, uh, how fantastic this particular meet was. So how exactly did the Murray plant meet come to life? Sam Colbert is the general manager for delivery and partnerships at Athletics Australia. And obviously, with a well-oiled team behind her, uh, she delivered the Murray plant meet. And we've got her here today to ask her how the Murray plant meet came to life. Sam. Welcome to For the Kudos. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations back in the chair for round two. So you must have been brilliant on your first foray. We we shall see. Um, yeah, hopefully it's more than three strikes and you're out. But um, yeah, great to have you here and thanks for um, thanks for joining us. You did say off air that uh, this is um, uh, maybe your first uh, foray into uh, going on a, on a podcast. So we're very honoured to to have you here with us. Oh, thank you. I hope I don't stuff it up. Absolutely my first foray on a podcast. Um, you will very rarely see me in with a microphone um, of any type. I've managed to steer away from that my whole career. But, um, you know, I, I felt quite privileged to being invited onto here. I actually felt like I needed to do a few extra Ks in my little plot around the 8K loop, which I have to walk some of it every now and again to uh, be worthy of the honour. 
<laughs> no, you're definitely worthy of the honour after, um, yeah, particularly the Maori plant meat, but we'll, we'll talk about some some of the other things you've done too. Um, and I'm going to do my best not to do a, a LinkedIn regurgitation here, but um, mm-hmm. your career has very much been in sports marketing and event delivery, and you've had roles with, with different organisations, um, and you've also done uh, some consultancy work through your own company. But there's definitely been a common theme of athletics um, throughout your career. It's been a bit of a mainstay in different events, um, including uh, probably one of the biggest events um, a few years ago, uh, which was the Sydney Olympics, where you were a, a competition manager specifically in athletics. Sam, why is why athletics? Why has that been such a big part of your career? Oh, look, it's been a huge part of my life, not just my career. So right back from when I um, went through the athletics ranks as a junior through to senior athletics, school athletics, I was no good, but I absolutely loved it. So I did a bit of everything. Um, I competed for Box Hill Athletic Club for years. But even outside of that, I've always kind of held different voluntary roles on club committees um, as age group managers and the like. So, yeah, very much a huge part of my career. I think I did my work experience in at Athletics Victoria when I was uh, first or second year uni I um I was lucky enough to for that to flow onto a job when I finished university worked at Athletics Victoria then Athletics Australia and then I went on to the Sydney Olympic Games I was actually there for three years I think it was three and a half years a deputy competition manager and I had some amazing people that I was around all during that time that I just learned such a lot from and now of course I'm really showing my age I'm going through athletics again with my kids competing um, through, so through the school system and also through Athletics Victoria Club system. So that's kind of exciting to see it uh, as a parent also. Yeah, yeah. Very cool to, yeah, see and hear, I, I guess, um, that that personal passion merging with, with the professional side of things and probably speaks a lot to why, you know, this particular meet that we're talking about today was such a success. I think you need to have that sort of that love and passion behind it. Um and so if we're going to talk specifically about the Maori plant meat and, and how it came to life, arguably uh, the great man himself, Maori plant, was a huge inspiration for it. Um, can you tell us a bit about your involvement with Maori over the years? Um, and this might be a hard one to answer because I've, I've come across a few people that mm-hmm. have a hard time answering this. What exactly he did? Uh, and yeah. why, why it is that he was such an inspiration um, for delivering, you know, such a world-class uh, athletics meet that, you know, we, we, we don't uh, see a lot of in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, I was a young administrator uh, back in the 90s when Athletics Australia was based in the North Melbourne office. And I was then a part of the, I started there in development and then I got moved into competitions. I was a competitions officer. Uh, Brian Rowe was the competitions manager at that time. Uh, Maury Plant, I have no idea what his title was, but uh, Brian and I would arrive into off, into the office at, you know, 8.30 or so in the mornings and Maury would announce that he'd been there doing all the work. Um, and usually that required sending faxes off overseas, et cetera, to be confirming athletes to come and compete in our domestic competition program. So um, back then it was a very small department. Competitions and high performance was all one of the same. And I was really lucky enough to be taken under the wing of both Brian and Maury, um, who taught me everything I know. 
that was a huge um, excitement at that time to be a part of the domestic competition series. And I actually really enjoyed off the back of this Murray Plant meet, um, some of our old staff members um, reminiscing on um, Facebook and the like. Uh, one of the, the young, who was one one of the very young staff members at the time, Matt Stevick, you might know him now as umpire number nine in the AFL. He wrote about the great honour, the, the great opportunity that Murray bestowed upon him when he was asked to go collect um, Hisham El Garouche from the airport at three in the morning. He got there at one and he had never been so excited in his life and his car had never been cleaner with that great honour. And so, you know, I kind of remember back to those days and that passion for athletics was just contagious and and those meets were just so exciting to be a part of and we'd stand there as things were getting underway, nervously watching the, the stands fill at the old Olympic Park and, and it was really terrific to be a part of. Um, so coming back into the sport, and, and I have, I, so I did work in the sport back until 2001 and then um, uh, did a few different things and then worked in my own sports marketing company with my husband, David, Jump Media and Marketing. So at different times, we contracted back to Athletics Australia, but usually for quite specific roles. I think the most recent time was the Nitro Athletic Series where we looked after media and PR. Um, but coming back into the sport now, I've only been in this role since October, Um 2022, and it was already very much a part of um, the strategy that was being worked of by the organisation to chase a gold meet within the World Athletics Continental Tour series. At the same time that that was being undertaken, there'd been this kind of promise that that Brian had, had made at Murray's funeral back in um, 2020, where he had announced that there would be a meet named in Murray's honour. So those two things kind of collided and it made complete sense for this Melbourne meet um, to become the Murray plant meet. And I guess really try and um, celebrate all that Murray contributed to the sport over such a long time. You asked what it was that he did. Um, he just wore so many hats. I, you know, I've seen him described as an agent, an entrepreneur, a promoter. Um, obviously, he was a commentator at different times and, you know, some of his great lines where he um, used to bellow out over the PA system um, and we used to all become quite familiar with them. Um, so, look, I guess the, the gold meet was in play and that was something that we kind of chased through World Athletics to, to get that status awarded um, and that meant that you had to meet certain criteria and, and the like. It's been pretty tough to, to pull it all together in such a short time because it was um, really confirmed in, in that break between Christmas and New Year, that late December period where it's actually, uh, you know, 100% locked in that, yes, we had um, World Athletics approval to proceed. We had the funding from Victorian government and the like that enabled us to say, okay, we're actually doing this. But, you know, the, the vision of our Athletics Australia board to support this event and to um, encourage it was um, really terrific. And I guess then a huge team of people have, have come together to make it happen. And it's been really exciting. Um, we've been able to, I guess, um, leverage some relationships that Maury had and get some athletes here that otherwise might charge exorbitant appearance fees. But people have wanted this to be successful because it was a meet named in Maury's honour. And so we've had that kind of head start in our planning. Um, but you know the really amazing thing about meets like this, and this is why I think there was such a terrific atmosphere there on Thursday night, is, um, you know, often people say, oh, you know, we don't see big promotions and we haven't seen an advertising campaign and all that kind of stuff. We actually don't even really need to do any of that. We, we don't do a lot of it because we don't have the budgets for it. But we actually only need to activate our own athletics community for these meets to be successful. And we're seeing the same thing unfold in um, Sydney at the moment with that track classic that's coming up. And I think that'll be a really hugely successful event as well because 
we've gotten our own fraternity excited about it. And our own membership and our own athletics fraternity are our best ambassadors. If 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 those people buy tickets early and talk to it, their mates about it, et cetera, then that's how we fill these stadiums. We actually don't need some huge advertising campaign to reach the guy that's, you know, walking past me now or eating his meat pie out there on the bench at, at lunchtime. Uh, reaching that person in the general public is hard to do, but activating our own community is actually um, easy to do, as we saw this time around. Yeah, power of community. I mean, yeah, uh, Brett and Joel, who are the uh, the founders of For the Kudos, you, I'm sure many people uh, got a 10% off their ticket courtesy of them and and, and courtesy of a lot of athletes, um, Australian athletes. And you're right, it's... Um, yeah, there was, of course, some mainstream um, publicity, but um, yeah, there was obviously a lot of excitement just coming from the athletes, and we'll, we'll talk about um, the athletes probably a little bit later on. You touched on the continental tour gold status. Um, obviously, it, it's it, it. There's a status to it, um, and I, I, I guess for the listeners, and you might be able to. Hopefully, you'll be able to explain it a little bit better. I kind of made the comparison to tennis um, and in WTA and ATP tour, you obviously have your grand slams and you've got your tour meets and then your challenger meets and um, depending on what level it is, some meets will have a bigger influence on your world ranking than others. Um, And I think in, in much the same way in athletics we have you know, we have Olympics and world championships and then we've got diamond leagues and then, yeah, the next tier is these continental tour gold meets, which um, I guess for qualifying for bigger meets, for athletes, it, it's, it obviously offers incentive in terms of getting points. But apart from having a status about it, what, what, what's the, uh, what, is, what is it about um, uh, being a continental tour gold meet? Yeah, look, I think it's a really good question. I mean, it's definitely the status that's a, a important element. It's all that comes with it. So in signing up to deliver a gold meet, there's certain regulations you need to meet. It's prize money payable at a, a set level. It's um, a certain percentage of your fields need to be international athletes and not just international, but international that are outside of your immediate region as well. Um, you have to have three athletes within the top 50 rankings in the world within each event for it to be considered gold meet. And you have to hit certain um, delivery targets in terms of the competition delivery itself and also the broadcast that you're putting out. So all of a sudden you're delivering A grade in everywhere you look. And so you're lifting um, every element of the meet to that set standard and instantaneously that gets people excited about it. In this system, and I must admit, only coming back into the sport since October, I'm still getting my head around all the nuances of understanding it, but the point system um, plays such a crucial part in our athletes' ability to qualify for international meets now. And obviously, there's a much higher points allocation to a gold meet than there is for silver, bronze and the national level events and the like. So, um, you know, I'd I'd written a note to our athletes earlier this week just to thank them, and I made the point that um, for some of our athletes, the competition and the high performance element of this meet is more important than for others you know Kelsey Lee Barber or the like who's already qualified you know the points issue doesn't become so important but for every single athlete whether you're the very top or whether you're an emerging junior um, these meets are really important from a marketing perspective from an entertainment perspective just in terms of being a touch point between the Australian athletes and our general public so it is that fine balance between both the high performance product and an entertainment product 
And there was a photo that came out of this meet that's been doing the rounds by a photographer, Dennis Timms, which has got Rowan Browning just surrounded by kids and um, he's wearing this bright colour and they're literally just in all directions. Our barriers to the um, uh, post-event control clearly weren't working very well in that photo. But, you know, that kind of um, picture just it tells a really strong story. That's one thing about our sport that our athletes are just so accessible um, for fans and that was one of my highlights of Thursday night seeing all of those kids just clamoring in that post event control area and you know with signatures all over their shirts and and literally just grabbing at whatever they could from the athletes bibs and signatures and selfies and everything it was awesome yeah um I guess that you may not be able to answer some of these questions but you know if we've had this continental to a gold status meet um and you have these criteria that you have to meet meet um do we have any information on did we did we kind of tick the boxes um, and and are we eligible to to have um, such a meet in future um, in future editions of the Mori plant? Yeah, yes and yes to those questions. So we absolutely did. We're going through that reporting process at the moment. I mean, we've been through this incredible period with the the world's eyes on Australia, off the back of the World Cross Country Championships, which was just fan, a fantastic event um, in Bathurst, and then to come into this meet in Melbourne where we had such big crowds and such terrific performances at both meets. Um, our, you talked about the team of people that are behind um, this meet. Our technical officials are some of the best in the world. They really are. And I was really nervous before the event, and then you sweep into that officials room downstairs in the Cathy Freeman room, and there's all these familiar faces led by Khan Sharp, who's been... Um, um, just such an integral part of our athletic structure for such a long time and you feel just really confident that this meet was in safe hands. We knew that they would all deliver to the um, the standard that they know and, and do regularly. So, um, yeah, um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm confident that we've met all the criteria. Um, we've had some discussions with World Athletics and you might hear an announcement soon about what this means for the future of this meet, but it was very much a part of our objective um, this year in taking on the Murray Plant meet that we could create something that was sustainable and that had the potential to grow into the future for Australian athletics. So um, I'm confident that we'll be you'll be hearing news very shortly about the future of this meet and um, and hopefully next year will be bigger and better. Yeah, awesome. Stay tuned. And um, you, you made mention of the, the technical staff and that's probably, you know, for a lot of listeners that, you know, probably things that you take for granted for in, in putting on event and an event like this. Um, but certainly from my experience um, being at, at world level meets, you're absolutely right. Australia has some of the best tec technical staff that you'll see often, um, you know, for instance, at the Tokyo Olympics um, or at the Rio Olympics or at these world championships. Um, so a lot of a lot of sort of unsung heroes um, behind the scenes that yeah we probably take for granted in putting on a meet like this. The the other uh, I guess um, factor that you raised in in having a, a, a continental to a gold status was having um, a certain proportion of athletes outside of you know the the Oceania region being on the start line. Um, Obviously, we had the World Cross Country the, the week before and there were, you know, uh, there were certainly some athletes um, that competed at both. Um, we also had international athletes. Fred Curley certainly didn't do the World Cross Country the week before. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how, how big was the impact of, of the World Cross Country, you know, in the lead up to, to Mori Plant? 
Yeah, it certainly helped. And that's another reason why I guess we're so keen to really rush and make this gold meet happen this year because we had that head start, I guess, having so many athletes here in town for the World Cross Country. Athletes from um, Uganda, Kenya, um, Ethiopia, etc. they all came from World Cross and that really helped our numbers. Obviously, we had a huge contingent from the US as well, some of whom came from World Cross, some who um, did not, but it definitely helped. And that's a challenge for events in Australia that we just have those huge airfares and huge uh, travel distances to encourage athletes. But again, you know, in the... Um, footsteps of Mori. That's what he did so successfully back in that lead up to the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. He really attracted some of the world's greatest athletes to come stay and train here with our Australian athletes and to make Melbourne or other parts of Australia their annual training base um, during the summer months and the beautiful weather and they'd go up to Falls Creek and other places as well. And so really um, uh, being a bit of a draw card for those internationals without nice weather conditions and great environment and a couple of um, high-profile meets to participate in as well is what we're looking to hopefully achieve in the lead-up to the Victoria 2026 Commonwealth Games and then Brisbane 2032 Olympics. So really, you know, um, we've learned from what he did back then and um, whilst he's not here to deliver the athletes, Nick Badeau and Brian Rowe worked really hard at securing those athletes and getting them involved um, and hopefully that will continue on and only build. We, we really rely on them having a terrific experience here as well. So, um, you know, I drove Tara Davis and Hunter Woodhall to the airport on their return trip and, you know, having that personal touch and being able to um, really uh, ensure that they have a great stay here in Melbourne and enjoy their experience. We want them all to go back home and tell their training squad mates what a terrific experience Australia was um, so that when we open the conversations for next year, we have um, a lot of willing participants. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make because it would be it'd be very easy to just say that it's about money and and athletes, you know, uh, if you pay them a, the right amount of money that they'll come. But it's it's so much more than that. It's it's offering them an experience that you know they they enjoy it. They enjoy it. Um, they get something out of it. You know, perhaps more than you know just um, you know just competing. Um, quite a few of the the distance runners, particularly from the US, that have that have stayed on for World Cross and Melbourne and and some for Sydney as well opportunity for warm weather training when most of the rest of the world are, are training training in the in the cold um, so yeah I, I, it's and, and and probably says a lot to yeah that influence that Mari had which was um, you know even if you're on a, a tighter budget um, it's about yes yeah, sh- showcasing and selling you know more than just um, something that's financial. So true, and I think people would be probably shocked to realise how few of the athlete got paid it yet. Got paid any kind of appearance fee, you know. For some, it's just the travel and the expenses element. Um, but really, uh, having a great experience out here, having the opportunity to earn prize money and to um, accrue those points as well is all really attractive for our own Australian athletes. Of course, the experience is amazing. Um, you know, we had uh, Caleb. Um, Lauren, Tori uh, Lewis training with um, Curly at one point down here during the Melbourne stay. So some of those sorts of um, face-to-face opportunities that have happened. We've had a hammer camp going on. Um, uh, Matt Hornman was really instrumental in pulling that together and bringing together a lot of those key throwers. So the interaction between the athletes and the coaches from different nations is a really um, important part of what these meets offers. And in fact, it's not even just that. Like one of the key opportunities around meets like this is the entire full circle um, 
uh, building capacity, I guess it's called, you know, all of the different activities that take part around that that really help the sport grow and develop. And when I look at the stuff that happened around Mori Plant Meet, it was at every level, right? So our Athletics Victoria target talent squad came along on the night for a pre-session um, the members of that squad, which is pretty much under 20, um, the next sort of emerging athletes, they were offered free admission and their coaches were. They um, had a session that Ben King and Tom Gamble ran um, that Sally Pearson was at. And so the, this in-depth interview with Sally, they were all taking selfies and things with her afterwards. My Sally's down here for the meet, so just leveraging that opportunity for her to speak to our emerging athletes, Victorian athletes, was a great opportunity. Um, so all sorts of things. There was a kids' um, clinic that took place on the grass warm-up track with um, our sport development department here from Athletics Australia running um, uh, sessions and come and try for the, you know, kind of 5- to 12-year-olds. So a lot of different activities occur around these meets through to, I think there was an integrity session the day after that was uh, done through High Performance Department and other bits and pieces. So a whole program of events that's run in concert with the major meets that really um, enables us to leverage that opportunity to uh, build capacity across different areas of the sport. Yeah, I think that's a really yeah good good point to touch on is that, you know, you can't just look at that Murray plant meet in a vacuum and, and see, you know, from start to finish, you know, the, the, um, the success of the meet, but, you know, what's the impact of the meet and, and what's the long-term impact. And, you know, I, I talked about in, in the introduction, um, going to the Grand Prix final meet in 2001 is like a, mm -hmm. I was probably 14 years old at the time. And, and getting autographs from, yeah, El Garouge and Legat and Alan Johnson, Colin Jackson, um, all of these stars at the time. And, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, arguably personally for me that that's been a, a was a big inspiration for, for staying in the sport. And there's probably a whole bunch of kids, um, that you've just mentioned through target talent program and on all the activities around Mori plant that, that meet will will be a defining moment in in you know how far they they take their own careers as well, and therefore, you know, being able to deliver the the Mori Plant meet in you know twenty um, thirty five or twenty forty five or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's right. I mean, our sport has just got so much going for it from every way you look at it, right, from a participation perspective, um, you know, the we're off the back of COVID where everyone just turned to walking and running and in their masses, you know, so it's really one of the largest participation sports in Australia and, and globally through to you look at something like the Olympic Games when athletics always rate the highest events. Uh, I think they were six out of the top 10 most viewed events on Seven's coverage from Tokyo. So there's just so many um, things going for our sport. Our athletes are just so accessible and just such amazing role models. Um, and so we're so lucky and in a really strong position to leverage opportunities like this meet and like the Commonwealth Games and like the Brisbane Olympics to really help kind of move that dial within the sport, have more people running and walking and throwing and jumping and being a part of, of what you and I love. And, you know, I'm still doing it slowly and with knees that hurt. I walk around the office here sometimes and everyone says, oh, what's wrong? I'm like, no, this is what fitness looks like. This is just tight Achilles, you know. Um, but, you know, it is something that there's literally no barriers to participation so everyone can do it no matter how slow or um, decrepit you look as you plot around that trail it's it, it's an exciting event sport to be yeah, a part of. absolutely i'm i'm going to jump around a little bit here um i i did want to go probably back a couple of steps and um particularly for for putting on this meet um 
you know, talking about the team that's that's involved in it, we, we touched on, you know, when you came into the mix last October and, you know, there was probably a bit already going on at that point and, and we talked about, um, you know, kind of the, the genesis of this. And I, I remember um, Brian uh, yeah, giving that speech at... at um, at, at Maury's funeral and, and you know, the, the start of, you know, that inspiration for this meet. But um, who who's involved in, in putting together this meet and, and, yeah, what are the, yeah, the different roles? I'm, you know, I'm thinking from a, you know, marketing perspective, a, a logistics perspective, even the, the getting the, the telecast, um, all of those things. Yeah, look, it's a huge team that sits behind it. And I guess um, the very start of that is the athletes, right? So I, I um, we had some early meetings with high performance department and a lot of the head coaches across the different areas just to make sure that the athletes were on board and committed because there is no sport, there is no event without the athletes. So um, everything stems from that. And I very much uh, enjoy that athlete first approach in everything that we're doing at Athletics Australia. Internally here, we obviously have different departments. So we have the sport delivery department that pull together the competition scheduling and the program and work through Oceania Athletics um, with the technical delegate and World Athletics to make sure that we're meeting all those requirements and technical um, elements of the the competition delivery. Um, From a broadcast perspective, we engage an external agency in uh, Rainmaker and so they put together that production. Uh, We had the absolute A team of uh, sports commentary on board with the seven Olympic commentary team led by uh, the king of the commentary team, Bruce McElroney himself, and uh, David Colbert, Tamsin Manu, and Jason Richardson. So we're really fortunate that um, all four of them are first and foremost athletics fans and really willing to do whatever they can to support um, the sport. So that was terrific to have them involved. We really didn't want people sitting at home um, wanting to watch it on the live stream in order to listen to Bruce. So we had that integrated presentation and broadcast approach so that we could also listen to that same commentary team in the stadium, which I think was a a great highlight and worked well. And that broadcast that was put together by Rainmaker went out via two different streams, one locally to 7 Plus, who are the domestics rights holder here in Australia, and also to a global feed at World Athletics, where it then gets pinged out to 150 plus countries. So the reach of that is enormous um, and really exciting to be a part of. Obviously, our technical officials were instrumental in the actual competition delivery um, uh, we have uh, marketing, uh, commercial and um, media and comms department here. Um, some of those staff members were also working on World Cross as well. So they've worked some um, horrendous hours and just worked relentlessly to, to really um, cover every angle. We kind of had this inside out approach in what we were doing, which was really just engaging all of our key partners and groups. So from every kind of um, organisation that we liaise with and are partners with, Athletics Victoria, um, through to VIS, et cetera, we were just leveraging those communications channels, um, Melbourne sports centres, everyone that's a part of this meet. Obviously, there's a venue team that were behind preparing the venue. And um, we had a conversation with them a, a couple of months out and talked about, you know, any kind of maintenance work and bits and pieces that you've got scheduled um, to make the event look uh, to make the venue look great, bring them all forward and, you know, whatever you can do before the meet, um, do it. And it was really interesting the day that we had the media conference here with Fred Curley. I was watching this team of people paint the toilet block and I'm like, holy cow, they really took that seriously. They were going all out. And so the venue looks spectacular. Um, all credit to them. We have some challenges sometimes at this venue being in the precinct here with um Oh, there's some other little event you might have heard of. It's something to do with cars. I don't know. If you know that can be a bit tricky. Um, road closures and the like that we were dealing with on the day. So 
Yeah, look, there's a huge team. I'm sure I've forgotten people, you know, our board, obviously, who are opening corporate connections and the like. Um, and then the most important thing, events like this doesn't happen without the funding support. So we're really fortunate in that we have Chemist Warehouse on board as a major partner of Athletics Australia, uh, Puma as a major partner. We obviously have a lot of funding through Sport Australia and AIS. And then for this event specifically, the Victorian Government through Sport and Recreation Victoria were a major um, supporter. And all credit to them, they came on board with such short notice. I think we scraped in by a matter of minutes on their grant application deadline, but um, they were incredibly supportive of everything that we did in the lead up and really helped ensure that the event was a success. So that's a huge team. I'm sure I'm going to think of um, 58 people that I've forgotten um, once we hang up. But look, we really did um, we really did work every angle. And people like Brian, Rowan, Nick, but I that I've mentioned beforehand were um, really went way above and beyond outside any of their normal roles to make sure this week was a success. Um, it was quite personal for a few of us, I guess, that know Mori. On the day as well, I have to say, um, I was quite emotional because I really wanted to be sure that his boys could come here and be really proud and um, be excited for what was delivered. And so I did um, I think there were quite a few of us that felt a little bit of pressure in making sure that we really delivered something terrific. And um, most importantly, our athletics fraternity showed up, which that's, the that's you know, besides the athletes, um, you want the crowds here. So really excited that, that they all turned up and, you know, bought the noise, bought the atmosphere, which was terrific. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, we, we will probably at some point in the near future have have Nick Bido to talk a little bit about the the athlete side of things. And yeah, um, uh, you, you mentioned him, and, and you know he had a, obviously had a bit of a role in in yeah getting getting athletes to to kind of come over and in in much the way same way that that Mori Mori used to do as well. Um, but the other sort of big thing there, and it's. I, you know, I guess my logical sort of um, dollars in, dollars out brain sort of thinks is, is yeah, it is around the budget and how you, you know, to put on a meet like that obviously obviously costs money. Um, you, you mentioned where sort of, you know, spon- the different sponsorship came from, some kind of long-term deals. So like when you mentioned with Chemist Warehouse and Puma and then, you know, um, the, the sort of the immediate sort of deals more through the Victorian government. But um, what do where does what do you spend the money on in putting a meet on like that? Other other than you know the obvious ones for listeners would be you know Fred Curley and and probably the pyrotechnics as well. <laughs> well, look, I mean it's a, a, a the budget goes up or down based on your income, right? So some of the huge um, line items for an event like this are in the operational delivery, so the venue and the on-costs and all those elements that go with that. Um, Obviously, the television broadcast production is quite a big line item and the athlete prize money and travel and accommodation. So they're some of the really big areas that the budget applies to. Um, There's other elements like, you know, doping control, for example, that are absolute non-negotiable requirements that have to be met. So there's all sorts of elements there. Um, One of our big challenges challenges around the meet this year was that it was confirmed quite late and we had such a short lead time and you throw in Christmas and that January period where everyone goes on holiday um, during that window. So garnering the corporate support that we we need for an event like this was really challenging. 
um, this year, but we hope that we'll have a lot more success in that going forward. Um, so that that's the main area where we've got to grow the income and where we can really um, build the meat from there. And as I said before, you know, athletics is an amazing sport to be associated with. Um, and for any corporate brands that want to come in and align themselves with the likes of um, Rowan Browning and Maddie D Rosario and all of the stars of our Australian track and field team and a meet like that that just oozes um, energy and inspiration for our next generation, there's plenty of opportunity. So um, we're really looking forward to how we can grow out that corporate support next year. Um, and even just beyond that sort of corporate support, we did have a lot of key partners in other ways that that really contributed also. And, and Xavier College is one that we went to because, you know, Maureen never wore the green and gold as an athlete, but was a part of that school community for a very long time as a student and a schoolboy hurdler and then later as a parent. So they were terrific and they helped with a couple of bits and pieces and Hippo was driving in marquees for me and, and the um, Xavier boys are out in their uniform being our basket carriers on the night. So um, you know, one of the things I find just in, in this environment with people that love the sport, there's lots of people that are wanting to help if you just ask. Um, and, you know, I've mentioned our technical officials before. We have somebody like Peter Hamilton that spent a week in our office um, just assisting with different tasks, lending his expertise as a, you know, timing and IT specialist um, across different areas of our event preparation. So there are a lot of people that really contribute in different ways and and um, next year, that's the athlete services area is an area that we probably need to really build out and focus on a little bit more. And so we look for a whole pool of volunteer drivers and all sorts of things. So um, we'll be putting out the call on your podcast next year when we're ready to recruit for those roles. Yeah, very, very good. Um, yeah, it's 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 obviously a mammoth effort and and uh, yeah, almost impossible to comprehend. You know the number and number of people involved and the the time and effort that goes into it. Um, the there's it's almost like a bit of a, a chicken and an egg scenario in terms of um, particularly around the financial side of things. In that um, you in order to attract sponsors, um, you need to provide a, 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 a product or an event that's, um, you know, that, that's appealing, that's, um, that, that, that is valuable. Um, but then you also need that money to put on an event. So it's kind of this, this sort of this cyclic relationship. Um, where, where are we at, I guess, in terms of, um, yeah, starting to attract more and more sponsors and and yeah where where do you kind of strike that balance between you know that that idea of spending money to make money yeah, it's a really good question. I think this meet was a really good example of that spending money to make money. you know we've shown um, the uh, excitement and buzz that our sport can generate. Um, the vision and the photos of those kids hanging over the fence, you know in our quartet um, from the world cross country, 4x2K relay, did a lap of honour and just watching some of that vision where people are um, hanging over the fence to, to get to high five them was really amazing. So um, I think that off the back of this, we'll hopefully generate some more corporate interest across different areas and that'll uh, parlay into more successful and, and bigger meets with high production value next year. So I think there's a terrific opportunity for our sport 
um, in the lead up to the Brisbane 2032 Games and beyond. Um, we did a risk management session the other day where we were talking about, you know, just general risks to the sport. And in my view, that's one of the biggest risks for us of all is that we don't maximise that opportunity that the two home games presents for us. Um, and I think a part of that is the corporate partnerships. And we know that Corporate Australia has their eyes on our track and field athletes once every four years at the Olympic Games and Paralympic Games. And we really feel strongly that there's much more opportunity outside of that four-year Olympic cycle and an event like the Murray Plant Meet in Melbourne has shown exactly that. So, um, yeah, putting out the call within our athletics community, if you or anyone you know might be interested in aligning with the sport, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's it's not even in question. And it's amazing. Like we had um, four pillars on board at this moment, mate, and that's through Cameron McKenzie, former 400-meter uh, runner for Australia, and he was here on the night and he his company, um, which is this hugely successful uh, local gin company that's earning a global reputation um, have come on board because he's a converted athletics person which really helps um, so we do think that a lot of those corporate sponsors will come through our own connections within the athletics fraternity definitely do you do you kind of look to other sports um, uh, you know particularly in the last probably the last decade particularly if you if you look at your different stakeholders in particular the spectator um, and and delivering something that's that's um, interesting and appealing and you know we've seen you know the cricket has changed in the last decade or so we have we have a new form of the game and you know even if athletics we we tried our hand at the nitro athletics a few years ago and um, all of these efforts to yeah kind of balance I guess um, the the spectator experience um, but you know, obviously the, the, the apex of that, which is the athlete and, and their experience as well. Do you look to any other sports or, or have you drawn inspiration from any other sports in how you deliver um, or how you delivered the Mori Plant Meet? Um, probably a little less so around the Mori Plant Meet specifically, but certainly what I've been working on actually today, <laughs> I opened the document, page one, um, just writing out a lot of the uh, strategy around what the domestic competition product might look like next season. And um, I think there's some changes coming for that. And I think that's part of that product evolution, that products go through this life cycle or where they go up and they reach this um, maturity stage and then they start to decline. And you always want to refresh and reinvigorate the product that you're putting forward. And I think there's a lot that we can do. I mean, I'm probably a little bit of a traditionalist in the sense that, um, you know, I loved Nitro and really enjoyed it at the time. But I think that's potentially going that little bit um, too far in terms of what our product has to be. Um, but, yeah, I'm really interested to hear other people's thoughts on on what they look for in the athletic product. I think the other night where you have that short, sharp program and constant action, um, et cetera, is a highlight. Um, and I think that we've got a lot of good meets ahead of us in store for the rest of this season with Sydney uh, Track Classic and Brisbane Track Classic and then the Nationals. But I think that our series next year might look a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, how much more traditional can you get than a than a mile race? I mean, we put on a, 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 tr a traditional meet and it was and it was fantastic. So, um, yeah, probably a good um, just a good reminder that you don't have to always reinvent the wheel to, to such extremes. 
Yeah, that's right. And it's again, when we talk about all the great things about our sport, one of the most amazing things about our sport is the history and the tradition. And, you know, tomorrow, for example, International Women's Day, every time I see uh, one of these Johnny Come Lately sports being celebrated so widely for their, you know, gender equality, which is terrific that they're being more gender equal. But athletics has done that nearly since day dot where we've had um, you know, amazing uh, women athletes at the forefront of our sport. So um, the history and tradition and, and the things that connect the Ollie Hall with the John Landy, um, you know, they're just really great selling points for our sport. And I think we should embrace that that history and tradition and the greats that have gone before our stars of today. I think there's probably we could we could talk for hours about mm-hmm. you know not just the Murray plant meet but you know athletics in general and I'm I'm sure we'll keep having discussions around this but um, the Murray plant meet was definitely a big step up in in what uh, athletes and athletics fans are accustomed to here um, you know and we've talked about some why you know some of the factors behind that you know obviously there was a there's a big inspiration provided by Mori um, to deliver something um, at such a level and and then you had factors like the world cross and 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 having some athletes here at the time um, what why else was it such a big step up or why else was it yeah yes yeah, so um, you know j- just such a, a, a roaring success Athletes and spectators, two words. You know, it starts with the athletes, the athletes bring in the show. And the show doesn't need to be the two-metre jump or the, you know, it's not always about the record. One of the best contests on the night was the women's 1,500 metres. But the fact that our athletes are willing to turn up and race against each other, you go back to when athletics has been at its best and it's back in some of those days when Freeman and Gates for Taylor went head-to-head every week. They didn't shy away from each other. They embraced the contest and turned up and committed to our domestic series. So it really starts with the athletes and the spectators is equally a really significant part of it. So when you look at some of the online forums and and your own podcast and chat group, um, when all of those athletics people are getting behind it and getting excited, it's kind of contagious. And, you know, that, like I said, our own athletics fraternity are our best ambassadors. So that spreads outwards. Um, when the athletics fraternity are sitting there, you know, griping and talking about the 58 things that they hate about the sport that happened you know, 38 years ago, um, that makes it challenging to grow the sport. But if our own athletic community get behind it and are excited about it and turn up, um, then the athletes are always bringing the show and we can be sure of a terrific event and a terrific outcome. So, you know, I think it's it, we don't really have to overcomplicate it that much. I think it comes down to those simple elements. Yeah, and I think you raise a really good point and it's, you know, goes beyond just athletics. I think it's, you know, probably a good, <laughs> a good lesson in life is that, yeah, whether it's other sports or through the news, there's, there's so, often so much focus on what's going wrong. And what are we doing badly, and and um, and and just not enough uh, focus on what's going right, and and what yeah. are you doing well, and 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 you know the 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 energy associated with um, you know focusing on what's going really well provides a lot more energy to then build on that, way more energy than than the energy of you know what's going wrong. 
Yeah. And look, I'm using a lot of that energy on what's going wrong. Nobody watched um, that vision back with a harsher lens than me, pausing, rewinding, you know. Um, we've, we're our own harshest critics, so we will pull apart every element of that meter and look at what we can do better for next year. Um, things like the lines out the front, whilst exciting, were also really disappointing that people couldn't have a smooth entrance to the venue. So don't you worry about that. Let us concentrate on what's going wrong and we absolutely will put apart and um, make sure that we look to improve in every single element. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing for our sport and we want the same for our athletes. And, and um, you know, I very much have an athlete-first approach. I think, as I said earlier in our conversation, that these meets are just imperative from a commercial perspective for both the sport to be successful but the athletes as well. You know, they will um, get commercial uh, sponsors when they're highly visible outside of that, you know, four-year Olympic cycle um, when they're seen and they're interacting and, and that fan interaction is a regular part of uh, what sponsors can expect from their involvement with individual athletes or with the sport. So these these sorts of meets are really crucial from that kind of entertainment and fan intera- interaction perspective. And I'm really excited that the athletes got on board and supported it. And they supported it in an amazing way. You know, some of them coming to state earlier to be part of media activities, putting out content through their own socials and um, to their own networks and you know I saw some of the stuff on um, LinkedIn where parents and friends of these athletes were sharing through their network so again just that inside out strategy where if we can activate our own community um, then they go outwards through their networks and that helps extend the reach of the messaging. Definitely yeah Ollie Hawes um, quote post post uh, winning the race with you know stems to mind particularly um, in terms of yeah his his experience and um, how important it was to be there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you look at the, you know, young athletes coming through that um, uh, just dazzled on the night in that mile event, and also um, getting to run against, you know, athletes that they've probably looked up to as yeah. well. It's yeah. a great experience. Yeah. Now you said the the lines out the front was something to improve on. I, I actually thought it was kind of cool. It, it just added to this 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 sort of big feel buzz uh, uh, about the event, but. Um, Anything else bring to mind of things to that you want to improve on? Well, the whole site was a bit gridlocked. Um, so getting out of here at the end of the night was quite challenging and our athlete uh, buses that were transferring the athletes back to hotels couldn't get into the, the site. So there's some issues we need to take up with Parks Victoria and the like. But, look, um, uh, it's my job to hide those things to the public and fix them behind closed doors, not shine a spotlight on them. Generally, I think we were really excited with the outcome of the event and um, and how it went, how the crowd, the atmosphere, um, the athlete performances and everything else. And, and everything else that comes around that is a small thing that we're going to work on from our perspective to improve upon for next year. But, uh, yeah, nothing for dissection here now. Very good. Stay tuned. And and, and probably the best best thing to do is is uh, come to next year's, edi- next year's edition of it. Or, um, more importantly, uh, this weekend, if you're in Sydney, um, popping over to the Sydney Track Classic, which, uh, yeah, hopefully will be... Um, have uh, a, a, an equal, equal if not better, buzz about it as well. Well, the great thing about that, of course, is that you get to see Fred Curley run the full lap, so not just the um, half lap. And he, I was lucky enough to be in conversation with him on the weekend where he talked about his 400. We are asking what we can expect and his answer was a statement. So I don't exactly know what that means, but I'm kind of excited by it. <laughs> Stay tuned. Sounds sounds like something only a sprinter or a, a thrower would 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 say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Sam, um, I don't have any, I probably don't have any other like really, really big questions. Um, I think we've covered a lot today. Um, anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? No, this has been really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, anytime I get to talk athletics is always a, a good opportunity. But no, look, we appreciate your support. I know that your um, podcast and, and social pages got behind it in the lead up and that's terrific. That's what we want from our athletic community to come together around these big events. Our athletes deserve that kind of huge crowd. And I'm so glad that, you know, with assistance from yourself and other partner organisations like you, that we were able to rally the troops and, and get a great crowd there and really give our athletes the best support. Definitely. Um, I've certainly learned a lot. Sam, thanks heaps for coming on for the kudos uh, and we'll see you at a a track meet uh, sometime soon. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. No worries. See ya.